morning, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. This is Arthur Pearlie Martin. I'm picking up with what we left off yesterday. Yesterday we talked about the devil's mode of operation, how he comes to steal, kill, and destroy from John 10.10. But before we get started... We're going to pray. Father, we just thank you for being together with us, being in the midst of us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. We ask that you open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our heart to receive the engrafted word of God. Father God, we thank you um, that your word, it will not return unto you void, but it will accomplish those things whereinto it has been sent in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 we pray. Again today we're gonna pick. We're gonna call this part uh, two. We're gonna the like has turned out to be a series. Um, this called we're talking about the devil, the devil's mo, the devil's mode of operation, why he do what he do, and how he do what he do. Today we're going to talk about how he do what he do. Yesterday we talked about what he do. He still kill and destroy. And today we're going to talk about how he does it. Okay, so I, um, we're going to come from, I'm trying to do Facebook Live. It's, I'm having some tech, technical difficulties here. It's just spinning and spinning and spinning. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to let that stop us. When it comes through, it'll be through. Right now, we're going to start on, um, we're going to start with Ephesians, uh, excuse me. We're going to start with 1 John 2 and 15. Again, we're talking about the devil's strategies and his tactics, okay? The tactics and the strategies he used to lure us away from the word of God, uh, from God, um, and to deceive us. So 1 John 2 15 tells us, he said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust thereof, but he who does the will of, the, of God abides forever. So what is he saying here? Let's take this in. Again, we're talking about his, the strategies, the strategies and his tactics, right? So... Um, here we see there's three things that the devil used to, uh, to try to lead us astray. And the three things that's listed is, it's the love of the world. He said, do not love the world or the things of the world. So what is the love of the world? Um, 1 John 2, 16, again, tells us, it's the, for the love of the world is, it's the lust of the flesh. To do what our flesh want to do instead of what God wants it to do. The lust of the eyes when we're led astray by what we can see. And the pride of life. Um, when we don't understand who we are in Christ, then that's when we get into the pride of life. Because when we start taking our identity from what we do, uh, well, I'm a doctor, a lawyer, a prophet, a teacher, evangelist. When that becomes our identity, that becomes the pride of life. When we get our identity from our uh, our social stature or our financial stature, well, I'm a millionaire, I'm a billionaire, I'm this, I'm that. When we begin to say anything other than who God says, when we take our identity, I'm talking about our identity. When we don't know our God identity, we begin to take on the world's identity or we begin to create our own self-identity. 
and we begin to esteem ourselves and see ourselves highly and think more of ourselves highly than we ought based upon that pride of life. But the pride of life also, it causes us to boast and brag. The pride of life causes us to boast and brag. And the pride of life will always also try to make you feel like you always have to prove yourself. And we're going to talk, get into that tomorrow when the devil begin to tempt uh, uh, God, Jesus. And he said, if you be the son of God, because when we don't know who we are, we feel like we have to prove to others who we are. And that causes us to get into pride. It's like, well, I'll show them or I'll prove to them or they'll see. That's the pride of life. It's not about us trying to prove who we are. When we know who we are, you don't have to prove who you are. For example, you know that you're a woman, so you don't have to prove that you're a woman. You just be. You don't have to prove anything. This is who you are. And it's the same way likewise. When we know who we are in Christ, we don't have to try to prove anything. We just be. We just be who we say we are. We are heirs and joint heirs in Jesus Christ. This is who we are in Christ. We're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You know, as he is, so are we. You know, um, you guys pick up my book, Understanding Your Identity in Christ Jesus. It's a little short. It's a study guide book. Uh, It's so important that we know who we are because when we don't know who we are, the pride of life is able to come into our lives. So I want to give us an example of what this looks like. Okay. What does this look like? What does the love of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life looks like when the devil is using it against us? Well, a good example of this is Genesis 3. How many of you know there's nothing new under the sun? What the devil is doing now has already been done. His mode of operations, his strategies, and his tactics is all the same. And today we're going to expose our adversary, the devil. Remember, First Peter says to be sober and to be alert because our adversary, the devil, is going about like a lion seeking who he can devour. So the devil is our adversary. And we need to know his mode of operation. We need to know what it is we're dealing with so we can know how to, to exercise spiritual authority over him. And this is spiritual warfare. Okay. We are in a word war. I know that we have taken it and thinking spiritual warfare is praying a whole prayer in tongues that no one understands or just saying a bunch of words. That's not biblical principles. God has given us the keys to the kingdom. He has given us his authority to bind and to loose demonic forces. And some of this stuff that we think is spiritual warfare is not really spiritual warfare. Um, We are in a word war. And when we're not using the word to war, then we're not doing anything because the only thing the devil has to respond to is the word of God. How many of you know that the word of God, it is our weapon of warfare for the word of God. It's not carnal, but mighty. It's powerful to the pulling down of strongholds, to dividing of the joints and the marrows. It's a discerner of the thoughts and knows the intents of the heart. The word of God is the power of God. This is how we got saved by believing the word of God, believing that Jesus Christ was, is the son of God. He died and he rose. We believed in the word and that's how we got saved. That's how much power it has. The word of God is the power of God. And so we'll see, we'll talk tomorrow about how when Jesus was tempted, how he used the word. And that was warfare. This is spiritual warfare. The devil is a spirit. The real us is a spirit, right? And those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth, not in the flesh. 
Okay, because our flesh does not please the Lord. Okay, so um, we're getting back with this. So the love of the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it's not of God. And uh, when we love the world, and when we're drawn away by the love of the world, and the Bible says the love of the Father is not in us, Genesis 3 is going to give us an example of what it looks like. Genesis 3 and 1. We're talking about when Eve was tempted in the garden by the serpent. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. And so the devil is cunning. He's crafty. He's called a serpent, a dragon. Uh, He's a deceiver. He's a liar. Jesus said he's a father of lies. He's the art of confusion. He can transform himself into an angel of light. So be careful when you're seeing dead folks and you're saying, that's my aunt. She came and talked to me. That's the devil. That's a familiar spirit transforming himself into an angel of light. We're not going to be ignorant of the devil devices because today we're getting ready to expose him for everything that he is. Okay, so this is the second part of my two-part series, the, the devil's mode of operation. The first part was how we was talking about how he still. So Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now this is his first attempt here. The first thing he wants to do is try to get us to doubt God. So he's trying to place a seed of doubt in her mind. Has God indeed said, did God really say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I'm reading the New King James Version. And then verse two, and the woman said to the serpent now, and also notice he took the word out of context. The devil will twist the word. Okay. So be careful with that. Make sure we don't try to twist the word to make it fit. Okay. Um, We need to stick to the word of God and we don't know what it means. We need to go look it up and research it and we need to um, see what it really says. Okay. So the devil says he took it out of context. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat. He said, not not eat of every tree of the garden. That's not what God said. So we know that Eve knew the word. So here we have a Bible-believing Christian. She knows the word. She quotes the scriptures because here she goes. She finna quote it. Back to the serpent, what God said, Genesis 3 and 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat. Remember, he said not eat. She said, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So she's well-versed. She knows the scriptures. She probably attends all the Bible studies. She's memorized. There's no condemnation. We need to do all this stuff. But I'm just showing you how even the elect can be deceived. She knew the word, okay? She quoted it back to him. So that wasn't a problem. So even though she knew the word, how was she able to be deceived when she knew the word? We're going to talk about that. We're going to answer that. So now she done said all this stuff to him. We in verse three. Okay. But of the tree of the, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, that's the tree. In other words, she's saying, God has said, you shall not eat of it. Well, that's the tree we can't eat from. In other words, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Now this is God's instructions to us. He told us that we couldn't eat from the tree that was in the midst of the garden, but we, we can eat from all the other trees. We just can't eat from that tree. Cause let's, we're going to surely die if we do that. Then here we come in verse four. Here comes the serpent, okay? Mind you, Eve didn't know the, have the New Testament, so she didn't know that she was supposed to cast down those evil imaginations and those thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Remember, when you're reading the Bible, we always have to consider the who, what, where, when, and how. We have to consider the setting, 
okay? So she didn't know. So she's sitting there and she's conversing, but she was doing because she was speaking the word back. Okay, but she's sitting here and she's having this whole conversation with the devil. Okay, we don't have to have conversations with the devil. When he comes to our mind and he starts saying, well, God didn't really mean by Jesus stripes you was healed. We need to cast that down that evil imaginations like 1 Corinthians 10 tells us. And those evil thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. We need to bring those thoughts into obedience to the word of God. This is spiritual warfare. Okay, the mind is the battleground. Okay, so this is where it's all going down. Here she physically saw the serpent. But today the devil speaks to our mind. He tries to place thoughts in our mind that's contrary to what God says. And we have to take those thoughts captive. We shouldn't be sitting up there having a conversation with the devil. But Eve didn't know that. Okay, so verse 6 says, so when the woman saw that the tree, okay. So the devil, the serpent said to the woman in verse 4, Genesis 3 and 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. For you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here we go. So there he plants the seed of doubt in her mind. He's trying to trick her out of the truth. He's trying to seduce her with his words. He's trying to get her to commit spiritual adultery. He's trying to get her to turn away from her first love, to turn away from God and start serving him. You see you see what I'm saying? This is the trick. So, so for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Here he goes. You won't surely die. He's telling her that God is telling you a lie now, and I'm telling you the truth. He, and that's the same way today. The devil wants us to believe that God is telling us a lie, and he's telling us the truth. So now she sat there, and she's thinking about this. So verse 6 says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, now she's sitting up here, and she's focusing on it. She's, and that's the lust of the flesh, okay? Remember the three, the three uh, strategies? The lust of the flesh. Jesus said, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. We're going to tie this together. The word of God interprets itself, okay? We don't have to go outside the word to to make it fit. There's actual examples in the word. So here we go. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, the pride of life, she took of it fruit and she ate. He seduced her. He seduced her through the through the works of her flesh. He seduced her by way of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Didn't 1 John 2.15 tell us, do not love the world? That was the love of the world. Okay, for the love, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the love of the world is the lust of the flesh. Lust. And so here, he used these very three tactics to take her, to seduce her. And that is not only spirit, she committed spiritual adultery, but that's how physical adultery starts, right? First, you look at the woman or the man, you lust, you lust after him, mm, he sure looks good. And then you say, mm, he probably is good. The, that's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, he probably is good, the, the lust of the eyes. Um, the pride of life, and, he, and, he, and there's some good things about him. He probably can do me good. So the devil wanted her to think that everything was good. You had three goods in a row. It was good. It, it, she saw that the tree was good for food. Um, it was pleasant to the eyes or it was good to eyes. He's good. He's pretty good to look at too. He, so it was pleasant to the eyes and it was desired. And then they began to desire him. So Eve was convinced 
that good was evil and evil was good now because everything about it, everything that she saw about him was good. She didn't care about the fact that he was married or he didn't care about the fact that he had a husband or that she had a wife. It just all looked good. So because it all looked good, it must be good. Even though God said it was not good. This is deception. And she took and she ate. And later we find out God comes back and asks her, why did she do it? And she said that she was deceived, that the serpent tricked her. Right, because that's what deception is. Deception is when we begin to call good evil and evil good. When we allow the devil to trick us through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and begin to call good evil and evil good. The lust of the flesh is when we're desiring what we want rather than what God wants. The lust of the eyes is when we're tempted by tempted by evil. Something that we know is evil. We know that's not good. We know it's not good to sleep with that woman, that man. We know that's not good to eat that cake or that ice cream. We know that's not good for us, but that's what our flesh wants. Okay. And so we give into the desires of what our flesh wants. The flesh, the carnal mind is enmity against God. If we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, if we walk in submission to God, if we walk in love, the love of God, we won't end up doing what our flesh wants because our obedience to God comes out of our love for God. Remember, we talked about that earlier. You guys listen to some of my podcasts. I have over 100 some podcasts over here um, as biblical principles for inner healing. Um, so let's go on down. Remember I'm saying that she committed adultery, right? Because she she uh, she turned against God to go with, with what the devil wants. She went against what God said to go with what the devil wanted. And she was seduced through the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. So we go to James 4, 4 and 1 and 6. He tells us, he says, adulterers and adulteress, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So when we want to do what the world wants, which is the lust of the flesh, follow the desires of our flesh, well, we becomes a friend of the world. The, to be a friend of the world is the lust of the flesh, to give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's what the love of the world is. Be not conformed to the world. What does that mean? Be not conformed to the world's way of doing things. Don't be led astray by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But be ye transformed. There's a spiritual war going on here. The devil's trying to pull us in his direction by using what the temptations of our flesh, which comes through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. No sin is ever committed without coming through those three doors first. It's not a sin to be tempted. Those are the three temptations of Christ. Those are the three uh, strategies and tactics that the devil used to tempt us. The same three temptations he used to trick Eve. The same three temptations he tried to use to trick, um, trick, um, excuse me, Christ. Those are the three temptations. It's nothing new under the sun. If you look at your life and you look at how you got where you are, or how you got, start, you know, when we look at fornication, because I used to fornicate, all three of those were in play. Without, it's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin to sin. You guys listen to my podcast, The Sin That Leads to Sin, which is doubt and unbelief, right? That's how he tricked her. He got her not to believe. He got her to believe that God was lying, that he was telling the truth, okay? That's the sin. Doubt and unbelief is a evil, having an evil heart of unbelief is the sin that leads to sin. 
because no sin, is not, whenever we don't do what God say do, it's because we don't believe what God say. And we have deception in operation because um, that's what deception is. When we believe that what we're doing is right. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Proverbs 14 tells us this, right? There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof is death. It, it looked like it was good. It, it looked like it was going to taste good. It looked like it, it just, everything about it looked good. So it had to be good. Even though God said it wasn't good. I mean, God had to be wrong. It's not possible. I mean, they acted so nice. He was, he was so patient with me. He was so, so understanding. He was so respectful. I know that he got a husband, but that can't matter because, but he looks good. He smells good. He is good. He acts good. Oh, it tastes good. I know I'm not supposed to eat it, but it looked good. It tastes good. It makes me feel good. It's called comfort foods. And it, it has to be okay because everything about it. But really what we're operating in is deception. I know that God said not to be unequally yoked, but he looked good. It ch- we're, we're being drawn away by what we can see. We're being led astray by the works of our flesh. Read Galatians 5, 19, 20. That talks about the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh is the devil manifesting himself through our flesh. And it talks about the fruits of the spirit, which is the characteristics of Christ. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. Um, the devil, the same way God wants to use our body to manifest himself, is the same way the devil wants to use our body to manifest himself, except God can express himself outside of us. You know, the presence of the Lord can usher in the power of God. It can be a breeze, a wind, a cloud, a fire. <laughs> but I'm just simply saying that to say, well, we yield our members to, that's who we serve to. But the devil operates through the works of the flesh. Go back and read that. Galatians 5, 19, 20, 21, 22. Read all that because it talks about the works of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. Okay, so here we go. We're talking about that the serpent, he want, the devil wants to seduce us. He wants to seduce us through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He wants us to commit spiritual adultery. So James 4 and 1 through 6 tells us, adulterer, adulteress. Do you not know to be friends with the world is to be an enemy of God? Doing what the world wants makes me an enemy of God, in other words. Doing what my flesh wants makes me an enemy of God. It says, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of this world, he makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in you, in us, yearns um, jealously? Because when we do what the devil wants, we go against what the, when we do what the spirit of the devil wants, we go against what the the Holy Spirit wants. And it grieves them and it causes them to be jealous because we left our first love. We departed from our first love. Yeah, we knew the Bible verses and stuff, but we still kind of did what we wanted to do, uh, said what we wanted to say. Um, live like the world, the love of the world, the lust of the flesh, gave our flesh what it wanted uh, uh, and was very prideful because when we don't know our identity in Christ, we take on the identity of life. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I make six figures. I'm this, I'm that. And so this is where you begin to get your identity from. That's the pride of life. 
Our real identity, our life, the Bible says that we are complete in Christ and our life is hid, H-I-D, in Christ. So if we want to know who we really are, who God originally created us to be, we're going to have to go back to the B-I-B-L-E and see in him in whom we are. We have to find out our real identity. He was able to trick her out of her truth because she didn't know. He said that in the day that you eat, you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Right. She didn't already know that she was like God. So he, he tried that same thing on Jesus in the garden. He told him, he said, if you be the son of God. See, but when you know who you are, that's what the pride of life do to us. It causes us to be boastful. You know, like we got to prove ourselves. They're going to see, you know, they're going to see. I'm going to prove it like we got to prove ourselves. When we don't know who we are, that's the pride of life. It will try to cause you to be boastful and bragging and trying to show off and trying to prove yourself. We don't have to prove ourselves to anyone. We are, I already know that my righteousness is in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm in right standings with God because of what Jesus did. He who knew no sin became sin so that I could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't have to try to prove myself to anything or anyone as long as God is approved of what I do because I am a servant of men. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul says, am I a servant of men? Because if I'm a servant of men, then I'm not a servant of God. We cannot be a man pleaser and a God pleaser. We have to make a choice. The Bible says that the fear of man causes a snare. When you fear more, when you're more afraid, when you fear the opinion of people more than you fear the opinion of Jesus, then that's the love of the world. That's the pride of life. Because anytime it has to do with what people are going to think about me, that's the pride of life. That's pride. It's not about us. It's about him. I'm shy. I'm, I'm afraid of what they're going to think. That's the pride of life. Because you care more about what they think than God thinks. That's the pride of life. Love not the world nor the things of the world. We must be delivered from the people before God can deliver us to the people. By developing a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So the cure for worldliness is humility. So he goes on to say in James 1 and 7, he says, Therefore, submit to God. How do we submit to God? By giving up what our flesh wants for what God wants. By submitting our, giving up our will for God's will. For giving up our way for God's way. By submitting ourselves to his word. What is the counsel of God concerning whatever it is that you're dealing with? Whoever we yield our members to, that's who we're serving to. So here he goes, James 4 and 7. Therefore, submit to God by giving up our way for God's way. Then we can resist the devil and he'll have to flee from us. So the way to overcome temptation and the way to overcome worldliness is by submitting ourselves to the word of God. If we want to, this is warfare. Okay, this is spiritual warfare. The devil is a spirit. We're the real us is a spirit. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, be all came. Things become new. Um, if any man, we, we have the spirit of God. And those who do not know God does not have the spirit of God. There's none, they're none of his, right? His spirit bear witness with our spirit to let us know that we are children of God, right? This is what the Bible tells us. So with the real us is a spirit, okay? So, we submit ourselves to God. When we submit ourselves to God, God's way, we're not doing things the devil's way, right? 
we can't walk with the devil and resist the devil. So we're going to have to be resisting one in order to walk with the other. So he said, therefore, submit to God, to God's will, God's way, God's way of thinking, God's way of living, God's way of doing things. And then we can resist the devil and he'll have to flee. The devil does not have to flee with us as long as we're walking in agreement with him. So in order to get the devil to flee from us, we got to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Say, Lord, not my will, not my way, not my want. I surrender. Whoever we submit our members to, our body to, that's who we servant to. If we submit our bodies to righteousness, then we are servant to the Lord. If we submit our bodies to unrighteousness, then we are servant of the devil. This is what the Bible tells us, right? So whoever we submit our members to, that's who we servant to. But okay, so when I'm submitted to God, it's going to automatically call me to resist the devil because you can't walk both with both of them. Yeah, I can't. If I'm walking in submission to God, that means if I'm walking in a fellowship with God, that means I'm walking in disagreement with the devil because God and the devil is opposite. Light and darkness have no fellowship. This is why you don't want to be unequally yoked together. When you feel like your husband is resisting you or your spouse who's not saved is resisting you. They probably are because if you're submitted to the Lord and they're not, they're going to be resisting you because that devil in them is going to be resisting the God in you. So I always say, welcome to the school of hard knocks. But there, there, there is hope because God is God of hope. That's another subject. Um, right now we're, we're talking about understanding the devil's uh, strategies and uh, tactics, his devices, his tactics, his schemes. So the Bible say, uh, James 4 and 8 says, let's start back with 7. Let me see if I can get through the whole thing. James 4 and 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, draw close to God, and he will draw nigh or close to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Why? Because a double-minded man has a divided loyalty. He has a, it's like when I'm with this group of people, I'm with, with God. When I'm in this, this group of people, I'm with the world. When the apostle Paul was saying, I become all things to all men, not disobeying, but not disobeying God. He is saying, in other words, I'm not, I'm not going to sin. But if I, if you, if your tradition is for me to come in your house, I'm using this for example. And you say, I'm supposed to take my shoes off and sit on your floor. Guess what? I'm going to take my shoes off and I'm going to sit on your floor. Why? I become all things to all men, not disobeying God. That's not a sin for me to come in my house, your house, take my shoes off and sit on your floor. That's not a sin. But if this is what I have to do to get in your house, then I to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ, then I'll take off my shoes because this is not the kingdom of God. It's not about, uh, it's righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost. If you say you don't believe in eating pork, but you want me to bring something for dinner, guess what? I'm not going to bring no pork, even though I know it does not do anything to my conscience. I'm not convicted by eating pork. But if for some reason you, in your heart, you feel like you're doing this unto the Lord, then it's acceptable unto the Lord, the Bible says. So for me to bring pork, knowing that you don't eat it, that's not walking in love towards you. Um, I I don't want your conscience to be convicted. Um, so I can I can come to your house and not bring no pork. I'm not going to bring no pork because that's not walking in love. Because that's not what the kingdom of God is about. It's not about meat and drink. But it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Um, so if I have to, if this is what I have to do to get to you, um, then I'll, I'll bring whatever you ask me to bring. I'm not going to do something that's going to be offensive to you. Um, I don't know how I got over there. But anyways, uh, but purify your heart, you double-minded. Okay. 
laminate and mourn and weep. In other words, we need to repent when we're double-minded, when we're playing both sides. When we're, we're, when we're with the world, we act like the world. That's not what that means. If we walk in the spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. He said, love not the world. The world is not the, the unsaved people. The world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Don't do what your flesh wants to do, because when we do what our flesh wants to do, it causes us not to do what God wants us to, want us to do. And, and uh, um, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and then he will lift you up. We, uh, we got to not be prideful, because when we're doing what we want, that's pride. Because we're saying, God, I don't care about what you want. That's the pride of life. Uh, I know what's best for me. I know what your words say, but that don't apply to me. Um, I, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Don't allow the devil to lead you astray. You can't allow him to lead us astray. Look at your life. There's, these are the three doorways in which temptation comes. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Without temptation, there is no sin. You're never going to have a sin without the temptation, whether you recognize it or not. But my prayer today is that the Lord will help us. He will quicken us and he will bring this word back to our remembrance so that when the devil comes with this little dance, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, that we will take the way of escape. The Bible says, James tells us that temptation comes when we're drawn away by our own evil desires. How do we change those evil desires? By delighting ourselves in the Lord. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. By humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord. That's how we change our desires. Delighting ourselves in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Right. Why is this? Because he said, delight yourself first. Because when you delight yourself first, it's going to change your desires. And so all we're really going to be doing is asking God for what he what he wants. God is not going to give us no evil desires. This is why he's saying, listen here, come in, delight yourself. There's no way we can fellowship. The Bible says we say that we have fellowship with him and we still walk in darkness, John tells us. He says, you are a liar and the truth is not in us. Why is this? Because there's no way you can fellowship, sup, come into agreement. Because in order to fellowship with someone, you have to walk in agreement with them. How can two walk together except they both agree? Amos 3.3. 3. So we cannot have fellowship with the Lord without walking in agreement with the Lord. That's why he say you are a liar. Because to have fellowship with God means to walk in agreement with his word, his will, his way. That's the only way we can have fellowship with him. So for me to say I'm in fellowship with him, yet I'm living contrary to who he is, that's a lie. Because to walk in fellowship with him is to walk in a submission to him, is to walk in agreement with him. How can two walk together except they both agree? You two cannot walk together if they don't agree. This is why being unequally yoked together is a problem. Light and darkness have no fellowship. Somebody's going to compromise the word of God somewhere in order to have harmony. Unless you use the wisdom of God, because it is possible, because an unbelieving spouse is sanctified by the faith of the spouse, the, other, the believing spouse. Okay? I'm not trying to get into that right now. So this is the three doors. Every sin comes through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Jesus withstood all three. He was tempted in all ways like men yet without temptation. So the strategy and the tactic of the devil is to tempt us. 
through the works, lusts of the flesh, lusts of the eyes, pride of life, to cause us to commit spiritual adultery, to cause us to yield ourselves to him rather than our heavenly father, to be a friend of the world, to give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It makes us an enemy to God because it takes us away from God. And I'm getting ready to end it here. You guys, look, watch, watch those gateways. Be sober and be alert. Because your adversary, the devil, he's coming to steal the word. When we don't understand, he's coming to steal the word through the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches. He's coming to steal the word. Well, it's not through persecutions, through tests and trials. He's coming to seduce us, to try to make us do what he wants, to get us to do what he wants, to try to deceive us through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's my summary of part one and part two of the devil's M.O., the devil's mode of operation. What is it the devil wants to steal part one? Part two, the devil's mode of operation, his strategies and his tactics and his schemes. No sin is able to enter into our lives without us loving, first loving the world, being drawn away by the love of the world. The Lord said that no man can serve God in mammon. The mammon is a spirit, the deceitfulness of riches. Money has a voice. Money says, if you had more of me than all this, I will give you all of this. Satan said, if you'll serve me, don't worry about God. Just do what I say. If you'll lie, cheat, steal, and kill, I'll give you all of this. The love of money, not money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Because when we love money, when we love mammon more than we love God, it causes us to lie, cheat, steal, and kill to get the things that we want. Again, that's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The devil cometh not, the thief cometh not, but the steal in this order, kill in this order, and to destroy. If he can steal our faith, if he can steal the word, he can kill our faith. If he can kill our faith, he can destroy our hope. And without faith, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm getting ready to end it here, you guys. Look for those doors. Look for how you be mindful, be sober, be alert. Don't let the devil steal the word from your heart. And don't give in to the love of the world, the lust of the flesh. The lust. And if we do, let's be quick to repent. Because if we do sin, we do have an advocate with the Father. First John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just be quick to repent. Like he says, that turn, we, our laughter needs to be turned into mourning. He's talking about repenting. When we're loving the world more than lovers of God, being lovers of God, it's going to cause us to be double-minded and unstable in all our ways. Let's make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have departed from your first love, we simply pray and say, Father, forgive us. Uh, and just turn around this day. Today is another good day we get to do what God say. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, right? So we're just going to, today we're going to repent. We're going to pray. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10 say, if confess, just simply confess with your mouth. We confess with our mouth, Jesus, Father, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Father, we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And Father, we believe that we are saved because we understand and know that Jesus Christ, he is the only way back to the Father. He is the only truth. In Jesus' name, we pray. 
Amen. Father, I thank you that just this word, it will not return unto you void. It will accomplish those things whereinto it is sent. Father, we will be to do exactly what you told us to do in First Peter. We will be sober and we will be alert. And the devil who goes around trying to act like a lion, he will not be able to devour us. Father, we thank you that he will not be able to steal the word from us. Father, he will not be able to cause us to commit spiritual adultery by turning away from you and serving, running after the things of this world. Father, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for the unction from the Holy Spirit for quickening us, um, uh, bringing your word back to our remembrance, Lord God. And we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you all the praise. Right now, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you guys again for joining into my podcast. If you'd like to support us, hit that support button, subscribe or follow us. So every time we do a podcast, it'll be brought to your attention. We're going to do part three of this series, The Devil's M.O., His Mode of Operation, because now we're going to talk about how to take a stand against um, this enemy. How do we stand against the wiles and the schemes of the enemy? We'll be talking about that tomorrow, coming out of Ephesians 6, 12 and um, Matthew 13. Um, On this note, we're getting ready to end it. I pray you guys go back and write down these Bible verses. Guard your heart. Guard your heart so you can't steal the word from your heart. You know, let your heart be good ground. The good ground heart is the is the ground that's um, submitted to God, is the heart that's yielded to God, is the heart that's saying, not my way, Lord, let your way be done. That's the good ground heart is the heart that's going to bring forth fruit. Um, it's not, it's going to do what the word of God say to, and it's going to, you're going to be able to eat from that tree. When the, the heart of that person is good, they bear fruit in their lives. They're doers of the word, not just hearers only. They don't, they're not just well-versed, but they actually do what the word of God say. That's a good ground heart in Jesus name. We pray. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. So you don't deceive yourself. We don't want to open ourselves up to that spirit of deception. Again, I'm ending it here. This is Arthur Pearlie Martin with biblical principles for inner healing. You guys keep looking for the good in your day so you can see God's goodness all throughout your day. Follow me on Facebook at Pearlie Martin Podcast. Join the prayer room if you like to pray. And I'm ending it right here this second, this minute, this moment. You guys be blessed and be encouraged.